generating power while saving water. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. The first ever meeting of world leaders to address the crisis facing the oceans took place in France last week. The One Ocean Summit discussed illegal fishing, plastic pollution, and carbon emissions from the shipping industry. And there was progress in some areas. To preserve biodiversity, a coalition led by the European Union will pursue an agreement extending protections to the high seas, which constitute 95% of the ocean. The U.S. said it would support talks toward an agreement on plastic pollution. About 8 million metric tons of plastic waste enters the world's ocean each year, the equivalent of dumping a garbage truck of plastic waste into the ocean every minute. European shipping companies said that they would establish new targets to cut carbon emissions and underwater noise. And 14 nations committed to strengthen efforts to combat illegal fishing, including better policing in ports and at sea. John Kerry, the U.S. Special Envoy for Climate, said that some fishing operations are indistinguishable from major criminal enterprises using appalling labor practices, laundering money, and destroying the good efforts of fishers who try to live by the rules. The conference started just days after an environmental group, Sea Shepherd, released horrifying images of 100,000 dead fish floating off the southwest coast of France. The organization suspects the fish were bycatch, those not wanted or unable to be sold, and were caught by a trawler dragging a net. Kerry said the practice is depleting fish stocks by throwing away two-thirds of what is caught. About one in every three people in the U.S. has been found to have detectable levels of a toxic herbicide in their bodies that has been linked to birth defects, reproductive problems, and leukemia in children, among other health issues. A new study from George Washington University shows that the chemical called 2,4-D has seen a resurgence among farmers since weeds have become resistant to glyphosate, the compound commonly found in Roundup. Among all those tested, children aged 6 to 11 and women of childbearing age showed substantially higher levels of 2,4-D in their urine compared to other groups. The National Pesticide Information Center says there are more than 1,000 products with 2,4-D that are sold in the U.S., including Weed Be Gone made by Ortho. The researchers explain that children can be exposed to the chemical by being barefoot on lawns treated with the weed killer or if they put their hands in their mouths after playing outside. Also, people are exposed to 2,4-D through eating foods and drinking water containing its residue. However, the EPA says products containing the chemicals are safe if label directions are followed. Last year, a study by the University of California showed that if the state covered all its 4,000 miles of canals with solar panels, they could generate substantial amounts of energy and save billions of gallons of water from being lost to evaporation. That research is now being put to the test. The state has awarded $20 million to the Turlock Irrigation District in California's Central Valley to test using solar panels on its canals, 
the first such experiment in the country. Called Project Nexus, for its combined water and energy benefits, the development is expected not only to decrease evaporation and generate renewable energy, but also improve water quality and lower maintenance by reducing the growth of aquatic weeds. The water will keep the panels cool, enhancing their efficiency. Also, by using canals for renewable energy, it avoids converting large tracts of land into solar farms to meet the state's goal to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 2030. Project Nexus will break ground this fall and take two years to complete. If successful, it could be replicated on other canals. And finally, dinosaurs. They were just like us. They got sick and were miserable. That was probably the case with Dolly, a long-necked sauropod who lived in present-day Montana, which 150 million years ago was a warm, humid coastal river system. Carrie Woodruff, a paleontologist at the Great Plains Dinosaur Museum in Malta, Montana, was recently examining Dolly's fossils when he noticed some unusual broccoli-like protrusions in several of her neck bones. But he wasn't sure what to make of them. So he posted photos to social media, and researchers quickly replied that the lesions were similar to growths found in modern-day birds and reptiles when they had respiratory infections. Just like birds today, sauropods had a series of air sacs near and in their bones that connected to their lungs. Woodruff and his team concluded that Dolly probably got air sacculitis, which is common today in birds, but never known to occur in dinosaurs. He said Dolly would have looked sick, coughing, sneezing, headache, fever, and with bouts of diarrhea. Birds that get air sacculitis today are treated with antibiotics, but Dolly was the length of a tractor trailer, so if a pill had been available back in the late Jurassic, would it have needed to be the size of a toaster oven? That's it for this week in water. Support comes from Right Water Engineers, providing water resource engineering in Colorado and beyond for more than 60 years. Projects, services, and resumes are online at rightwater.com.